Hey guys, you're listening to episode 40 of Share Crime. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Amy. This week, we are diving into a new documentary series called Accused, Guilty or Innocent on Hulu. We will be taking you through the crazy story of Brian Lawson, who shot his wife three times, completely caught on camera, and claims it was self-defense to protect him and his young son. Brian's defense attorneys think it will be a slam dunk case for acquittal due to all the evidence they had on Brian's wife physically, mentally, and emotionally abusing him for years. But the prosecution thinks the cameras were a part of Brian's plan to murder his wife in cold blood. Is it really too hard to believe in a wife being the abuser, or is he truly guilty as charged? Guys, it has been like six weeks since I've seen you. Uh, yeah, yeah. It has been so long. Yeah, it's been forever. When was it? It must have been the okay. end of July. So it was the very last week of July. Wow. And we are now recording on the 16th of September. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just Where so has time crazy. gone? It has. It's been crazy. Well, as you all know, Amy had her baby, Gabriel. I did. He's here right now with and us. I got to meet him today, which I'm so excited about. Yes. And I was in Ireland for 11 That's days. Right. Yes, we have a lot to talk about. And we're actually going to be doing all of that coverage on another episode. Right. We may already have it out by the time you hear this. Exactly. We want to talk about what we've been doing, what we've been up to, yeah. about all the fun stuff that's been happening in our lives. Yeah. So this week... As stated, we are going to be covering a brand new documentary series that we just so happened to find on Hulu, and it's called Accused, Guilty or Innocent. We're doing the first episode on Brian Lawson. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. They're all like short, what, 40-minute, 45-minute episodes, each on a different person and their case as to whether you think they're going to be guilty or innocent. Yes, and there are people we've never heard of before. Right, I had never heard this story. Which makes it so much better, I think. We hear all the really notorious and salacious, you know, crimes out there and the ones that are hitting the news media, but these ones never do. No. And this one was like, I was really going kind of back and forth a little bit the whole time. And I was like watching what they found and what they saw. It's a really good episode. It's compelling. You guys are going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. So today, we both get to drink We again. both get to drink. Do you realize, <laughs> do you realize, I have not actually had a drink since Halloween. No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so I get your first drink You after get baby. my first drink, yep. Because I think right after that is when I found out I was pregnant. So we oh, were, yeah. I was like, sorry guys, like fake drinking on the show for yes. a couple of weeks until we announced everything. Of course. But really, I was over here having like water or some shit. For sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually get alcohol. Yay. I'm so excited. And we are going to be drinking Bush Light Apple. I'm excited because fall, I'm sorry, summer's over. Mm-hmm. Fall is not technically here. I think we got like another week before it's officially fall. But right. pumpkin spice lattes are back. Yes, it's you know, all back. Things are falling off trees. 
like Halloween is in the air. I think it's time for some apple. Yes, and I don't I don't know if these are everywhere. I don't know if these are just a Midwestern thing. Maybe everyone is not able to get these. I'm not sure how Bushlight does these, but they're very limited edition and they're oh, only yeah. sold for like two months out of the year or something. Right. Like they were last year and they were new last year, I think, too. So Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Should we I'm just glad it's not pumpkin flavored. Can I just go ahead and say that? <laughs> Pumpkin's fine, but apple apple superior it's very good and it's not going to be what you think okay so Ooh. it's not like it's not a cider beer it it's considered a cider beer right. but it doesn't really taste like one it's a little different okay. it's more of a beer taste okay with an apple aftertaste it's very interesting okay yeah yeah okay. so are you ready should we pop our tops let's do it wow mine went so fast <laughs> Mine did too, and he jumped off of my boob when we did that. We freaked him out a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. Mm. Ooh. Okay. You're right. It's it's not what you expect it to be. No, it's very it's apple in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then it's beer, but it doesn't have that actual beer aftertaste. Right. I, I think I like this. It's really good. And currently, they're only sold in 24 packs. You have to buy 24 of them. Oh, shit. <laughs> Guess I better go make some room in my fridge. Oh, we already drank all of our 24 packs. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty easy to drink. Just as a heads up for any listeners, you may hear baby coos in the background. You may hear some weird sounds. Maybe a gag here and there. My newborn is here. He's trying to nurse. We're making it work. We're just going to make it work. Well, without further ado, since it's been so long and I want to get into this case, Amy, I'll let you take it off. All right. I'm going to take it off. All right. <laughs> I knew. I knew you were going to say something. Because <laughs> oh, I can actually like afford to take things off now. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we start off the documentary with some on-screen text telling us that we're in East Tennessee and it's January 27th of 2017. So not even that long ago, like four years, almost five. Right. And we learn even more that it's even more recent for when he goes to actual court. Right. Too. Yeah. So there's a 911 call that's playing in the background and we get Brian Lawson's voice coming out very frantic saying, I need an ambulance. Hurry. My wife's dying. I shot her with a pistol. Immediately, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Okay, they're right there. Admittance of guilt, right? Like, clearly he did it. Like, he's not saying he didn't. We then find out that there was a deadly shooting, and all of it was caught on camera. We hear a news reporter. They don't specify who she is or what station she's from, but she's saying that Brian Lawson is charged with first-degree murder and reckless endangerment in the death of his wife, Beth Chandra Lawson. Home surveillance had caught the entire thing on camera and found the couple arguing moments before the gun went off. So obviously already this sounds sketchy. Yeah. You know, it sure. sounds bad. Yep, for sure. Then she goes on to let everybody know that their small child had been standing right beside Chandra when she was shot. A double like nail in the coffin. It gave me like shivers down my spine. I'm like, oh my gosh, no. I know. How? Like how? Right, right. Oh my God. We get some on-screen text that says Brian Lawson faces 60 years in jail. He's currently out on a $250,000 bond. We meet Larry Boyd. He's the defense attorney for Brian, and he's in this pretty much the entire time. He says that this is quite a serious charge. It's not a death penalty case, 
But it is first degree murder that they're looking at. So he could end up going to jail for the rest of his life. I mean, he's clearly in like his 30s. So if he's 60 years. It's forever. It's forever. Not many people make it to their 90s. Right. He says that he does believe that he has a pretty good case for self-defense, though, as Brian claims that he was in a really abusive relationship with his wife. Which at first I was like, okay, what? You're in an abusive relationship with your wife? Like your wife's abusing you? Or it's abusive back and forth? Yeah. So like it was from what he was insinuating is she was the abuser, right? To him. And mind you, this guy's big. He's a big guy. He's like, I think they said six foot five and high 200s. Like not a small guy. Okay. Like big guy. And I'm like. Okay, this is going to be interesting. This is obviously well before we get to see the video footage because we see a lot of video footage. There's a lot of him and his lawyers going back and forth. We see a lot of the video footage. So it's really intriguing, you guys. Yeah. Definitely watch this one. Don't just listen to the podcast. Go and watch this one. one. It's good. Yeah. What Larry's saying is that the state is going to argue that Brian intended to kill his wife. He personally, though, believes that the jury will see this as self-defense and that Brian never intended to hurt or harm anyone. We're six months to trial and we're right now at Boyd and Boyd's attorney at law office. So I'm assuming this is what, like a dad and son or like dad and grandson? They don't say. I would think it's dad and son. Okay. Is from the age difference. Yeah. It looked like they'd be dad and son. But yeah, they didn't say, obviously, they have the same last name. They're definitely related. Definitely related. It's yeah. Larry and Daniel Boyd. So some more on-screen text says that 18 months before the shooting, the couple had installed a home security system. The cameras were running on the day of the killing. The security system also stored footage for seven days. However, the prosecution has only released footage from the morning of the shooting. So they're only showing us that snippet of their life. And, and what could have possibly led up to this. Yes. And mind you, the prosecution is the one that has all of this seven days of evidence right. footage. Okay? Yeah, they have all of it. They have it. So now the defense is only shown the day of the shooting. So just keep that in the back of your mind because that does come back later on in Absolutely. the story. Yeah. Brian, in his own words, says, quote, I got up that morning. I was sitting and waiting on her. She was in the bedroom watching TV. I went back, she opened the door, greeted me, and it was fine at that point. He then states that he started saying, hey, we gotta go, we're already behind schedule, we're running late. Of course, we have security footage showing, so we're watching the video of this, like, kind of taking place, but there's no sound on the video. So he's taking us through the story. He then says at that point, she snapped. Again, with the video footage in the background of this whole thing, what we're seeing is Brian in a recliner, like in the living room. Mm-hmm. Chandra is fucking cussing him out. I mean, she's like fingers in his face, full on screaming at him. And he literally looks dumbfounded. Yeah. Like he's not yelling back. No. He doesn't look flustered. He literally kind of looks like a scared child. He looks. Yes. That's what I kind of thought. I was like, he he doesn't even look like an adult. The way no. that he's like. Like, putting his arms up. He kind of puts his arms up a lot and, like, is trying to, like, shield his face. and Because she's, like, punching him, yeah, too, she at is points. beating her fists against his skull. Like. And we see all of this. I, I've i never seen anything like this in my life. No. Because it, it's, it's usually, like, if it were to be, like, an abusive type of thing, it would be the man abusing the woman, right? And, like, 
that's horrible, obviously, in itself. But to see it reverse, especially with such a small statured woman to such a large man, I mean, you can really tell the dominance in this relationship oh, 100%. just by this video footage because it's unbelievable. Yeah. And they live in a small apartment. Like, you can tell it's very crowded. Oh, yeah. That living room was not big and it was crowded with furniture and stuff. Like, I would think that this is like a one-bedroom apartment with... Like, a small kitchen in a living room. Like, it looked very crowded, very, very small. But it is jarring to watch this footage. Yeah. It's... I mean, I was flinching. Oh, my gosh. Because the punches she was landing on Forceful. him... Forceful. They were not light. No. They were. Oh there was gosh. no little girly punches. Not at all. No, these were, like, flat out fists. Yeah. Connecting with bone. Winding up. Winding up. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was, it was tough to watch. Larry asks Brian... Is there any reason you didn't hit her back? I put in parentheses, I love Larry at this point. <laughs> so my, I have always thought this. Nobody has ever told this to me. I have always thought this my entire life. I hated when I would hear about women beating up on guys or like throwing fists at them or like slapping them or all this kind of shit because I was like, what in your fucking mind makes you think that he has no right to hit you back after you have laid hands on him? Right. Granted... Do I think that women deserve to be hit? Absolutely not. But sometimes, yes. <laughs> but obviously, they're like a lot stronger, right? So a guy's going to hit a woman back and it's going to be a lot harder. Yes. But it's kind of like, don't fucking put that out there if you're not willing to take it back. Sure. Kind of my mentality. Sure. If you hit a guy, don't be surprised if he hits you back. Not that he should, but don't be surprised if he does. Well, and I think, too, if you, from a guy's perspective... He is going to be in a lot of shit if he lays hands on a woman. Even Absolutely. If she, even if she laid hands on him. And first. deserved it 100%. Right. Because it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. In this case, I mean, clearly, if he would have wanted to hit her back, like, he would have knocked her the fuck out. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was easily, like, three to four times her size. He just did not come off as someone who, who even knew how to punch. He was literally, like, a giant poo bear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, just a giant poo bear. Yep. He literally just looked like an overgrown he looked, child. He looked scared. He he looked yeah. terrified. Like, he knew that, like, he said the wrong thing. Yes. Or he made this switch happen in her, and he knew it was coming. You know yep. what I mean? And it's sad. And that was what it was, too, is that he looked like he knew that it was coming. Yeah. Which clearly goes to show this is not the first time this has ever happened. And as we mentioned, the video doesn't have sound. So right. we don't actually get to hear what's being said, like, the words that are verbally being said. So... That can be bad for Brian's case. 100%. Right? Because you never really know what she's saying. But her body language alone. Oh. It is. Telling. Attack mode. Like she. Big time. Is ready to strangle him. Like yeah. and kill him. Like. Yeah. It is something I've never seen before. I mean, when he talks about them being in love, that does not come off in that video to me. No. At all. And we learn a little bit more about, you know, the dynamic of the relationship and how it changed over the right. years and why she was this way. So there was a little bit of a reason behind it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll learn more. I don't want to I don't want to put too much out there yet. <laughs> I won't give it all away because I typically do. But I won't. <laughs> we got to rein her back in. It's been too long. I know. <laughs> well, so Larry, again, you know, asks Brian, why didn't you just hit her back? And Brian says he was too scared to. And literally in this video, as you mentioned, you can see him like cowering in the chair. I mean, he is putting up his hands, defending himself and like 
backing up. Even his legs. Like, he's yeah, bringing yeah. his legs to his chest to, like, right. shield. Protect his organs. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's really. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's hard icky. to watch. It's yeah. icky. Now, Brian believes that she actually enjoyed the beatings during her fits of violence, as he calls it. You know, you can see her, like, grabbing this large item from behind the couch at one point. And he says she was really, really dangerous. And in the next shot of the video, there's footage of her cocking a baseball bat back and swinging it at him. A metal A base- metal baseball, baseball bat. bat. And he's flinching. He tries to block it and ends up kind of grabbing hold of, like, the top of it so that she can't strike him with it. But, I mean, she's fighting with all she can to get that bat away from him. I mean... That could crush his fucking skull. Yeah, it looked like she was trying to hit him over the head with it. Yeah. But she had, like, hit the chair first, so it kind of, like... Bounced. Bounced the blow a little bit, so it's still, like... I think it hit his, like, arm. It didn't hit his head. But I'm like, she full-on swung at him. Oh, yeah, that was not, like, a little pussy... That would have killed him. Throw. Like, it doesn't matter how small you are. You have a metal bat and you're swinging it at someone's head. That will kill them. Yep. Brain damage Blunt for sure. force trauma. Like, oh my gosh. It's so violent. So Brian tells us that in that moment, his only goal was to try to calm her down in any way possible. And then you see her striking the bat at the floor, like pounding it against the floor by his feet. And he's lifting his feet up, you know, kind of like, you know, those like cartoons where you're like shooting bullets at someone's feet to yeah. make them dance. Yep. It's kind of what it looks like. And he tells us that she knew that his left foot was crippled and she was intentionally in that moment trying to cause the most pain that she possibly could. I mean, my God, go after a crippled man for one. It's it's demented. It's I mean, it's demented it, it's, for sure. It's really I just can't believe that behavior. Like I have never gotten to even half that point with someone like that no. type of anger. It's just not even in my road rage do I feel that much anger. Right. And again, it's it's hard to say because there she was obviously in a definitely different state than than we are, right? Um, she had different things going on. But still, I, I just it's hard to watch because you don't get to see this type of footage ever. No. It's hearsay. No. Like he said, she said, and if one of them's not alive, then it's just the one person says. And it's just right. their side of the story. And they typically lose. Especially yep. if they confess to the killing. They're going to jail the rest of their life because there's no evidence to prove otherwise that it was not premeditated and or on purpose. Right. Right? Yeah. Because self-defense, it's a hard thing to prove. It is. And like it did, he bait her into it, you know? Man, this is like, this is gold. It is For their defense attorney. Like, it's gold to have this kind of footage. It totally is. The crazy thing about this, too, is right after that, the very little there's like a part on the video that says that it's only 8.18 in the morning. We're talking, we're not even talking 8.30 yet, you guys. I have not even had a fucking cup of coffee. Now, granted, if I haven't had my coffee, I could want to be that ragey, <laughs> but no way would I even have the energy to at that point. No, I, This yeah. is way too much. Yeah. Again, we'll go into it further a little bit. Could you imagine being but... the neighbors in that apartment? No. And hearing all that at fucking eight in the morning? Often? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. No. I would be calling someone for sure. Well, I mean, how can yeah. you live like that? Especially if you have children and they're hearing that and they don't know what's going on or why that's happening or oh, what awful. the problem is and having to try and help your kids understand what's going on. Because we all know apartments, 
their walls are very thin. Oh, you hear everything. Yeah. You, you smell everything. Yes. All the food everyone is cooking. Yes. You smell it all and hear it all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so gross. What <laughs> <laughs> you do? <laughs> Larry comes back and asks, you know, how many times over the years had Chandra used the baseball bat on him? And Brian says at least 10 to 15 times. Like, this was not a new thing. So... That's probably why he was so quick to grab onto it and kind of, like, react as he did. Larry also asks, you know, well, what about, like, her fists? Like, how often does she come at you with that? And he's, like, upwards of 100 times. Like, I mean, all the time. Larry, again, believes that this tape speaks for itself, but knows that the state is going to argue that Brian somehow orchestrated that day, knowing that it would all be caught on camera, kind of baiting her into this. And, you know, they were going to have to explain that security system in the apartment. Like, why do you have a security system in your apartment? Right. So why don't you tell us? Brian says that it was because there was a woman in their area about a year prior that had been breaking into apartments. So he and his wife had decided to install this security system. Now, for me, I don't know if I'd install cameras indoors. Maybe well, I guess you're in a... If you're not home... You're in an apartment, though. I don't know if you... Can you put cameras on the outside of apartment buildings? Well, and, or, like, how easy would it be to just, like, see it and knock it down? My guess oh, is guess. maybe that, that they sense. were thinking if she did get in, that they would at least have all the footage of who it was and yeah, what she took. Be able to identify her, That maybe. was my thought. Okay. That makes sense. Because, like, for me, I mean, I don't live in an apartment, so that would be different. You're right. Yeah. Now, he goes on to say that his wife was the one that picked them out so she picked out the security cameras she purchased them she brought them home and then he just had to get them installed yeah so she was kind of the one that did all the lead legwork for these cameras we're back to the video footage it's about 8 28 a.m we see them still back in the living room it looks like she put on like a new outfit or she put she changed got dressed yeah of, of some sort but she is still right in his face while he is seated in the chair in the living room we even catch some footage of her trying to kick him. Like she yeah. like ups and like tries to like swing and I've I've never seen this type of violence before, especially with like a woman. Like it's just I guess it's just so out of character, it feels like for me. Like Yeah. I, unless unless the guy was being the aggressor and she needed to try to defend herself, I you just don't see this very often where the no, guy she is was so timid. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Brian stated that he had been with her for about 10 years at this point, but there always hadn't been abuse. Like, they had a lot of very good years together. And when the abuse started, he wasn't sure how to leave because you couldn't control her actions. He didn't know what she might do in retaliation, right, Right. of him leaving. Right. Because he was scared. That is, like, totally apparent throughout the whole video that we see. He is actually terrified of her. Yes. Now, while Brian is watching the video with his lawyer, he points out a moment where his wife told him, quote, I haven't decided for sure how you're going to die, but you're going to, end quote. So he vividly remembers at a specific point in the video that she said that to him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, we watch her walk out of the frame for a second, but then come back to punch him in the back of the head. Yeah, she's constantly just. It's coming back. It's like whack-a-mole. And this has been going on now for, what, 15, 20 minutes? Do you know what it looks like? It looks like, and I don't know if you're going to know this reference, but it literally looks like watching somebody playing Street Fighter, but the other person's Street Fighter, like, 
is stuck. Atar- yeah, it's just like stuck yes. standing there and you're like watching the other one just beat the shit out of them. Yes. That's what it looks like. Oh my gosh. And you guys, there's a little boy in this apartment with them. Yeah. Okay. That's what, like, like two, three. I would say, yes, two sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe going on three. I mean, little, little boy. Yeah. Larry asks Brian, why wouldn't you walk away from this? And Brian states, I couldn't leave my son. She had him in the back room. And he believes that if he would have left or tried to call the cops, she would have killed him. Yeah. Meaning their son. Right. Larry goes on to ask, was there access to weapons? And Brian stated that she had a 12-gauge Magnum and a Taurus 38 Special. We're back to the video footage, and we see her go back into their bedroom, and she's kind of rummaging through their sock drawer. And I'm like, what the hell is she grabbing? Yeah. Like, what is she going for? Like, digging to the bottom of a drawer. Yeah. There's always something hidden, right? And it pans back to Brian in the living room, and he stated to his attorney that he was looking for the pistol that he had put behind the couch that he wanted to put in his pocket for safety. So for a second, I thought he was digging in the couch cushions, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You have a two-year-old in the house, and you've just got, like, guns stashed in, like, every room and, like, accessible areas that was my number one thing too when she was digging through the sock drawer i'm like yeah. if she pulls out a gun and it's the bottom drawer of their dresser where her son could easily open it right and find it and then he same thing with him i'm like y'all are just hiding guns all over the place that your little two-year-old or three-year-old could actually grab them like fuck it crazy why not hide it on a shelf survival of the top. fittest kenzie <laughs> my god it, i thought the same thing yeah i was just like what the fuck what is happening Now, Larry, his defense attorney, goes on to state that there is no dispute that Brian shot her. The dispute is why he did it. Right. Brian kept the domestic abuse a secret because he didn't want people to know she was doing things like that to him. And he had no support group to talk to who could relate to his wife beating him. Right. There's no, like, classes out there, like, what to do if your tiny wife is psycho and is beating the shit out of you. Right. And I don't think that men would want to talk about that anyway. Well... I mean, let's be they, honest. Men don't like being vulnerable, right? Like, that's that's a hard thing for them to do anyway. But then to also say that their wife is beating them and abusing them and has been for years, that would be a tough thing to talk about and or bring up, right, in a conversation. Yeah. The men that these things are happening to, they're beta males. They're not going to go out. Right. And try to seek comfort. Exactly. Yep. Now, Brian thinks that if he would have tried to stand up for himself, that she would have for sure killed him. And that's why he really never said anything to her. He just sat there and watched her. He goes on to tell us that he does still love her and really wishes it would have turned out differently, but it kind of just spiraled out of control. Yeah. And again, we see this footage and, oh man, I'm leaning on the side of Brian for the most part. Oh yeah. I'm definitely leaning on the side of Brian. I'm just like, I can't. Like I'm all for like female empowerment, but come on now. But this is something, like, so unordinary. Like, yeah, this is something this you do not see. And yeah. it's it's shocking. It's because, straight up abuse. Yes, it is absolute abuse. Doesn't matter if you're female or male. It is absolute abuse. Yeah. Now, again, Brian's attorney, Larry, thinks this is a classic case of self-defense. Brian starts telling us the story of how he met Chandra, his wife. He had met Chandra when he was around 24 years old. It was love at first sight. Always is. She was a fire he was attracted to, warm to be around, but beautiful to look at. They didn't have bad times for a long time. He actually thought they were like the perfect couple. 
Chandra had been in the National Guard and she was getting ready to do two tours in Iraq, but ended up breaking her neck during training. Oh my God. What? You can break your neck and just be like, fine? Yeah, my dad did. What? Yeah, he fell down backwards down his flight of stairs a few years ago and broke his fucking neck. I literally, the only thing I think of when I think of like a neck breaking is like snapping someone's neck and killing them. Right, and That's killing all them. I think about. Yeah. I'm I like, there, there can't be any other way, right? I think if it doesn't <laughs> sever the spinal cord, you're fine. What? I know. In the hell? Isn't that fucking nuts? So, yeah. Like, they don't talk about what kind of stuff she had to go through, but my dad had to get that halo thing, like where it's literally bolted in through your fucking skull, through the front of your face. It's like screwed into your oh, head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To keep yeah. you from moving. Yeah. He had that on for like oh god was it like six months and when they oh took it off god. he didn't even heal so he's literally just like walking around with like a floating head essentially yeah it's fucked up oh my god again amy with her stories that is I've another got one story for everything that's another story yeah obviously due to this neck injury and her breaking her neck she was not able to deploy anymore but instead had to go to the doctors so she could get narcotics to help with her pain oh my god i can't even imagine and Brian had even stated that she was taking hundreds and hundreds a month. Is that even possible? Oh. Hundreds and hundreds. How many pills would that be? Okay, so 30 days in a month. Right. So that would be what? Three pills a day for 100. And he's saying hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to 300 pills, right? Nine pills a day? I mean, potentially. I don't know. I guess I don't know. I... Whenever I've gotten prescribed narcotics or, like, heavy shit, like, I don't take it. Like, I don't, I don't like... Either. I'll I, take it for, like, the first day or two. Yeah. And then I'm like, eh, give me back my ibuprofen. I, I just feel sick. Like, I feel kind of, like, yeah. sick to my stomach. Yep. I, and I feel really out of it. I don't like feeling that way and just, like, out of control. Not, like, crazy out of control. Just, like, I literally don't know how to, like, go through my life and right. I just don't like it. It's, like, fogginess. Like, you're kind of foggy in the head. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know you're, that was even possible to take that many pills. But I guess if it's a severe injury enough, you probably have to take a, a big dose of multiple things to ensure you don't have pain. I, I don't know. Well, and who's to say that all of them were prescribed? So some oh, sure. of them could have been and some because she could have been getting off of other people. Oh, sure. You know, because once you're t- the thing with the narcotics and opiates is that the more you take, the less effect they have on you. Correct. Right. So she could have been, you know, getting some from other people, too. Right. And as you can probably assume, she did end up becoming addicted to these pain pills. Like most people do. I mean, when you're taking oh, yeah. them in those high doses, you can't not become addicted. Like it's your body's reaction to it. You know, yeah. like your body just becomes dependent dependent on them. Yeah. Have you seen that new movie um, with Mila Kunis called Four Good Days? I have not. I wanted to see it, though. Is it good? I just watched it last week. It's good in the fact that, like, it gives you a good idea of, like, what somebody who is struggling yeah. with addiction can go through. Yeah. And it starts the same way where she had gotten injured and got, you know, started on pills and then so ended up sad. moving to heroin. The ending was kind of like, meh. Like, I don't know. Like, I felt like with, with the good actors they had in this movie, they could have done a little better. But right. it's based on a true story. So that's probably just how it actually ended. But, yeah, it was just kind of like the same thing where you're like, oh, you get hurt. You start off on some shit and you can't get off of it. I've heard so many stories and watched so many documentaries about this like downward spiral of people that were really successful and had great lives and never had issues with alcohol or drugs. Like it wasn't ever a part of their life, but then 
They get hurt at work. They get hurt randomly. They get in a car accident, whatever, where they get injured bad enough. And that's what they get prescribed, yep. right? And pain will do that to you. Yes. And it's like, oh, my God. It's just, it's so devastating to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian goes on to say that when the drugs became a part of Chandra's life, it destroyed their marriage and their love for each other, which I think it does with a lot of people. Oh, God, yeah. Especially if one is using and one's not, that can really tear you apart. Yep. And then if you're both using, then you're you're both not in the right mind. You're agitated really easily. Like, it's just never really a good combination. No. Ever. No. We're now five months to trial. And we get some on-screen text that states Brian's lawyer is investigating Chandra's medical history. His defense attorney, Larry, says that he had had an interview with Thomas Schock, who was the forensic psychologist that received Chandra Lawson's mental health records to look over. And the records showed that she was a substance abuser and she had a bipolar condition. These two combined results in problems with violence. Yeah. Now, Tom Schock even went so far to say that a person with bipolar and substance abuse issues is six times more likely to commit a violent act than the average person. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a perfectly normal statement. Yeah, I think just with any mental illness, rational thinking kind of goes out the window. That's just kind of bipolar. You get manic. Yeah, yeah. And you're not thinking clearly and things don't seem... Well, and who knows how those episodes are? Maybe they're like kind of like in a dreamlike state where they don't even realize what's really happening or that this is real life. And you know what I mean? Like it could totally change who they are as a person when when they go into those those fits of rage or manic episodes. And then to be on drugs. Yeah. 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 It's just like it's just two bad things combined that can only lead to more bad things. Yeah. There is also a file in her records that says she abuses her husband during these manic episodes as well. So Jeez, that yeah, it's already documented. So I think that even gives him more of a case to totally. prove that like this was not like he didn't just install these cameras to make it look like, oh, it was self-defense. You know, she's been abusing me and I had to defend myself and right. he wanted to make her mad. Yeah, he, it's like, like to fight with her. This was already on her records that she had been abusing him for a while. Yeah. We then find out that Brian also has medical issues. So he had been born with a severe clubbed foot, almost completely backwards on his leg. He says that he had had surgeries from the ages of six months all the way to 17 years old. And when nothing else could be done, basically it was just pain management from there on out for him. So he had also been on pain meds and any and all that you can think of. He says that at some point you begin crushing them up. You start snorting them, maybe start, you know, shooting them up. Mm -hmm. He says at one point you wake up and realize that you're a junkie. He says that his hands and arms have been ruined from shooting up these narcotics and that he had even gone to rehab. While in rehab, he gets word that Chandra was pregnant. So he decides in that moment, like that was his like wake up call. Yeah. He's leaving it all behind. He's done. He says his son saved his life. And honestly, I think that's so awesome because I feel like that doesn't happen enough. Yeah. And I feel like that should be something that should wake people up, but it doesn't. You know, those drugs, depending on what you're using, can be so hard. Yeah, they can have a strong hold. Yes. I mean, they can consume your whole body. Like, it's not about what your soul wants anymore. It's literally about what your body needs to survive. Right. And you know what that withdrawal feels like. 
and it's not fun. You know, right. like people can die from withdrawal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a whole process in itself. But um, I mean, it's good to hear that he knew that like, I don't want to do this shit no more. I have a different purpose in life now. Like right. I need to to stop what I'm doing right now. Kick my ass in gear. I have a son on the way. Yeah. Or I have a kid on the way. I don't know if he knew it was a son, but right. Like I have a kid on the way. Right. We then see on-screen text telling us that Brayden, this son, was born in May of 2014. So while this did change Brian's perspective on life, unfortunately, Chandra never gave up the needle. He says that, you know, the worse the drugs that she was taking, the worse the violence that came out of her. And he 100% blames the drugs on her change. And I think that's a pretty obvious For sure. For sure. Know, yeah. Thing. Yep. Thing. It's an obvious thing. <laughs> I knew what you were saying. I still got the baby brain. Now we see some more on-screen text, and this tells us that the defense needs proof of Chandra's drug abuse to present it at trial. The security footage withheld by the prosecution could contain that key evidence. Because again, they had cameras throughout that entire apartment. So where was she doing it? Right. You know? They probably have it on there. Because again, they need to prove that theory that she was on drugs also had this mental illness and went into this like manic stage and was abusive to him you know so it was a big part of their defense so brian's talking to larry and he says without a doubt chandra was mainlining every day like three times a day she was shooting up in that apartment and he says that she had been doing this in the back bedroom where there was a camera which also kind of weird so like right now the prosecution has all this footage mm-hmm. besides maybe some shooting up are they getting like free sex videos or like right. you know like right ew yeah i mean i don't i pro- i'm assuming that probably did not happen that often maybe if not. it did yeah maybe not just because of where their relationship was at at this point maybe early on but now i don't know i don't know about that i mean she was far too angry for somebody who had been getting it on the regular right <laughs> There you go. (laughs) So he tells us that she would go back into the back bedroom, shut and lock the door so no one would walk in on her. And he claims it's on that video. Like, you will see it. On-screen text says that after numerous requests from Brian's lawyers, the prosecution finally releases the withheld footage. Now, basically, what they need to show is that she used drugs intravenously They can show that she wasn't an innocent victim in all of this and that her actions actually contributed to the events that day. And it's really important that the jury see all of that. If they just see the video, they're not going to put it all into context. Exactly. But when they get the file, it won't open. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. The attorneys literally believe that it's part of the state's attempt to keep them from actually proving this drug addiction. It's like a locked file that they can't even open. But, like, isn't that against the law? Like, they can't withhold evidence. I know. Like, they're going to have to show it to them either way. I know. I thought it was so weird. It's super strange. Like, why make them wait longer? It just doesn't make any sense. Why why give them something that doesn't have anything on it? Right. Just doesn't make any sense. No, it didn't make sense at all. We're now four months to trial, and we're heading to court for a motions hearing to request the footage that is supposed to be on that, you know, locked file. As we all know, this can be really important to the defense's case, right? Of course. 
So Larry Boyd says, you know, why can't the state provide the footage in the same way that they did the footage of the actual shooting that morning? It should all be there. Why <laughs> That is this... was fine for them earlier. Right. Why is this not just easy? Right. And we meet Dan Armstrong. He's the prosecution's attorney from the DA. And he says that he doesn't believe any more video is remotely relevant to this case. And then he says they shouldn't have to spend their time or taxpayers' money to produce something that won't, quote, see the light of day in the courtroom, end quote. Okay. Oh, my gosh. What exactly do you mean by taxpayers' money? You already have the video. Right. You just have to release the file. My (laughs) daughter at the age of seven could send a video from one person to another. Right. It doesn't cost you anything. What are you talking about? He sounded like a blubbering idiot. He so like, real. It's like it might not be relevant to you in this case, and it might actually hurt your case, but it could be relevant to them. Like, I think it's 100% relevant to the What the, the hell? I, I, I'm like, ugh. And you know what? <laughs> Let the jury decide if it's relevant or Exactly. Not. Exactly. So Larry says, you know, it's exculpatory to his case on how often, basically daily, she had been using these syringes. Dan says, even if she used it every day, what's the relevance to why he shot her three times that day? And Larry says, a bipolar personality who is addicted to any opiate is six times more likely to commit a violent act. They're basically going back and forth. Why? Why? Here's why. The judge finally orders the TBI, which is the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, to get this figured out and sent to the defense before February. The case has to be tried. We are now three months to trial. We get some on-screen text that states Chandra had another son from a previous relationship. Brian tells us that Liam is Chandra's first son, and they had a great relationship for the entire 10 years, and he's loved him from day one. We get some more on-screen text that says Liam has been living with Chandra's mother since the shooting, and now he is reconnecting with Brian. Brian tells us that when he sees Liam or talks to him they don't go into details about that day but rather just try and help each other move on even though it can be hard since that was his mother we see them reunite at the front door in a big embrace Brian like picks up Liam and he's probably like 15 16 definitely yeah definitely older he's he's almost just a tad bit shorter than Brian like he's you know yeah And Brian tells Liam that he loved having him around and it gives him something to be happy about. Liam believes that it's not good to hold hate towards somebody. It does no good for him to just hold anger against Brian. He even stated that, quote, I've been on one end of it. You've been on the other end of it. I knew something was going on, end quote. And I had the question, was he referring to also getting abused by his mother? My guess is, is that he knew that she was doing drugs, like she knew something was going on there, and he saw the domestic violence between the two of them, Brian and Chandra. Okay. That's how I took it. Okay. Kids aren't dumb. Right. Like, they'll know when something's going on, especially if you're trying to be sneaky as a parent. Oh, for sure. Like, do something out in the open, they'll never fucking look at you. (laughs) Right. But try to sneak away, and they're going to catch you every time. Yeah. Now, Liam tells us... That, quote, I loved my mom. She was a very good mother. She was very supportive. She was always there. But my mother has a bit of a temper, and she let her anger take the best of her. 
He goes on to say that he didn't like the yelling and arguing. It was really hard for him to deal with. He thinks it's terrible that she died, but he can't hold the hate because it will destroy him. The level of trust he had for Brian is never going to be the same because he will always be the man that killed his mother, but they still love one another. I'm like, wow, that is a really, really tough relationship to have. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, what a grown-up way to look at things. Seriously, most people would never be able to forgive, forget, even be around that person. You know what I mean? I mean, especially since that was his stepdad. Well, and I feel like that goes to kind of even more so like back up what I just said about how I think Liam had seen this shit going on. So like he saw how abusive she was towards Brian. So he kind of understood where it was coming from. But at the same time, it's his mom, right? For sure. You know? Yep. Liam does believe that justice should be served. And if that means getting Brian's freedoms taken away, that's fine by him. We're now two months to trial. We get some on-screen text that states Brian's lawyers are still waiting for that withheld footage. In the meantime, they are re-examining the footage leading up to the shooting. We're back with Larry and Brian at the law office, and they are going to go through the video that led up to the shooting to see if Brian can remember what she had said during that argument. Right, because again, there's no sound on it. Exactly. So they need to try and piece it together even a little bit further to really put their case together. Right. I just got to say this, this bush light is like, it's hitting nice. It's really good. It's hitting nice. That's what the, that's what the cool kids say on TikTok. (laughs) They say it hits differently. Yep. Now, there were a few new things he realized after going through the video again. At 8.07, Chandra starts telling Brian that she will bash his brains in. She goes on to say that she wants his mother to have to clean up his brains. And this is what prompts her to grab the bat. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. It's in so much detail. Now, at this time, their son was in their bedroom. He's laying on their bed, kind of playing around. Oh, my God. It's, like, heart-wrenching to watch this. I just, oh, it's, it is. Because my son's, like, the same age as him, and I cannot yeah. even imagine. Chandra proceeded to tell Brian that after she killed him, she would take Brayden, their son, into the bathroom and cut their arteries with a scalpel. And I got so mad. I'm like, don't you dare bring that precious little boy into this. I know. Don't you dare. Crazy people do that. Don't bring the kids into this. I know. Now, Brian is trying to plead with her at this point to put the bat down, but everything he said just made her more angry. We can see in the video that she points at the door, then points back to Brian and allegedly states, quote, no matter who comes in that door, everybody's dying, end quote. Brian then asks her why she can't leave their son alone, and Chandra replies with, quote, he was put on this earth to pay her back for every bad thing she'd ever done, end quote. Did you understand that? Not even a little bit, which is why I didn't write it down, because I was like, it just sounds like the mumblings of somebody who is not all there. So, okay, and I shouldn't have probably quoted this, because this was definitely Brian stating that Chandra said this. Right. But, and maybe it was in a different context, and maybe she said it a little bit differently at the time. Yeah. But... Even so, maybe she felt that if she was going to die, he was going to with her or something. I'm not really sure. Well, and also during this point, during like the screaming that's happening in the video that we can't hear, they pan back to that video of Brayden in the bedroom and he's like holding onto his ears during her screaming. And it's just like, you can tell that he's uncomfortable and it's scary to him too. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on or why it's happening. But he doesn't like it. Right. Because he's trying to cover his ears. 
831 is when she brings Brayden back into the living room with them. And I got very nervous at this point. Well, yeah, because it sounded like they had somewhere to be, right? Yeah. Brian immediately told her, like, in the beginning, they were going to be late. And she had, like, her, her purse and everything. She, like, had stuff ready to go. Yeah, and she's, like, putting a jacket on Brayden. And this is about at the same time that Brian has just grabbed the pistol from behind the couch. Right. So this is about at the same point in time where he's putting it into his pocket. Yep. And she's got her back to him, so she can't yes. see that. Right. Now, up to this point, according to Brian, Chandra has done nothing but tell him how she was going to kill him. So this whole morning, that's all she's been telling him. Now, Brian didn't arm himself until after she convinced him that she was going to harm their son. And he wanted to make sure that he was safe. So his 100%. safety was more important than his own. He just yeah. wanted to make sure nothing happened to his son. We then see Brian sitting back down on the couch, his son next to him, with Chandra screaming and pointing fingers again, apparently stating, quote, everyone's going to die, end quote. We see her swing and punch him in the face. And did you notice Brayden, like, backs up instinctively, like, scared because yes. he knows that something is happening? Oh, my He's God. He's, like, two. It's so sad. I, it honestly makes me sick. Yeah. And this is when... Brian takes out the pistol and shoots her three times in the chest. We see this on camera, you guys. Yep. It's definitely not gruesome. It's not gory at all. No, because you only see, like, it doesn't even, you don't, you, you don't see blood. You don't see, like, anything, really. No. It's just like, she's, it almost looked like she was, like, punched and then she fell over. Yeah. But obviously it was bullets and you could hear it. Right. And their son was right next to him. So, like, he was not in the shot point of, like, no, he no, no. could have accidentally been shot. He was close, though. And yeah. he was terrified. Like, yeah. he didn't know what happened. And then he's watching his mom moving around on the ground. And we can, like, still see that she's, like, you know, moving. Flailing. Yeah, she's flailing a little bit. Or, like, jerking. Or he something. grabs his son. He grabs the phone and immediately dials 911. So there is no waiting point. He no. did not wait to call 911. It was immediately that he called 911. Yeah, video and evidence yes, of that. Yes, that was self-defense to me. Watching that, yep. 100%, that was self-defense. Yeah. Now, Brian tells us that since that day, his mind has been nothing but pain and anguish. And you can really see it on his face. I mean, the whole time in this documentary, he just looks very sad. Yeah. Very, a very sad human being. Oh, you yeah. know? And that's why I just, like, I, I totally believe his story. That he never wanted to do this. He never wanted to kill her. Like, it was instinctual for him, and he didn't know another way out. Like, no, he thought that if he was in that grave of danger, that it was either going to be him and his son, or it was going to be her, or possibly all three of them. Uh, right, right, or all three of them. Yeah, because I think she would have killed him, and then to not get caught or in trouble, she would have taken Braden and herself in the bathroom and killed, right. you know, them. Right, I, I do believe that it would have been a familiar side at that point for sure. Now, Brian regrets that she lost her life, but he didn't know what else to do. He had to shoot his wife to save his son. Now, we get some more on-screen text that says five hours after the killing, a friend of the couple contacted the police. So the day that Brian was arrested, a TBI agent walks into the investigation room and asks Brian if he had heard of this man. And Brian says, yeah, he had. They don't disclose who this person is. No. Nope. Just a friend. Yep. The agent then asks Brian if he'd ever heard if this man had been the father of Brayden. Brian's like, no, I've never heard that before. So this guy just showed up to the police station stating that Brayden was his son, but that nobody else had known about it. 
And at that time, Brian states that he couldn't take it all in. I mean, there was way too much. He was still in shock. You know, I mean, everything had just happened that day. This is the, yes, the same day. This is not like a week later or something. This is the same day. Yeah. Larry Boyd decided at that point that they needed to do a DNA test right away. So we're back at the law office. Brian is handed a copy of the test proving that Brian Lawson was not the biological father of Brayden. Oh, my God. To add insult to injury. I mean, what? uh, I mean, that's so heartbreaking for him. Like, I immediately felt so terrible for him. Right. Like, that was all he had. That's that's why he did it. That's why he shot her. He wanted to save his son. And then he finds out the same day after he shoots his wife that that's not really his son. Well, in the biological way, you're right. But then you're seeing all these little videos yes. that he had of like, you know. And that was his the, dad. That was his dad. And that yeah. was his son. Like, That's all he ever knew. Yep. And he, Brian loved that boy. I don't know why. Why did that guy do that? Why did that guy walk in the same day and have to proclaim that that was his son when he's never been in his life? I kind of wondered the same thing. Like, was he, did he actually think that like Brian was gonna hurt him or like or maybe he thought that chandra told brian and that's why he killed her oh not knowing that it was on camera not oh knowing sure, all the sure, sure maybe he was like this could be why this could have been a motive yep maybe and maybe i need to like set something straight and right who knows but he doesn't become his father after all this no and that's why i think that might have been the reason why he said something to police because he clearly didn't want to like own up to you know being a dad that is so weird i know it was very weird brian says of course that the news destroyed him he had such a tight bond with this baby and you know at that point he is no longer allowed around him at all we see some on-screen text that says that the court has issued a no-contact order and Brian can't see Brayden while he awaits trial. So Brian tells us that his mother and Chandra's mother, so his mother-in-law, have custody of Brayden and he goes back and forth between the two. He does say that if he wins at trial, he will be able to see Brayden immediately because there's no reason to hold him away from him. Right. With one month left to trial... Some on-screen text tells us that the prosecution has finally disclosed the withheld footage. We see Larry Boyd and Brian watching the film. We see the camera from the bedroom. And we see Chandra walking around. It's not the day of, but we see her walking around the bed. And she is straightening out what Brian tells us is Brayden's blanket, like his special blanket Mm -hmm. on the bed. So she's like making the bed. Then Brian points out that there's a syringe in her hand while she's doing this. She then sits on the bed and the video shows her shooting up whatever is in that syringe. Yep. Now we don't see that. Right. As viewers, but the video shows yes, it. Yes, and, yep. and they 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 say as much. Yeah, they like they're they watching walk us through it. Yeah. He says that, you know, if you're watching it, you instantly see Chandra is more relaxed now because she's had her fix. Brian also says that it's important to see that on the day of her death, no injection took place to give her that fix, which made her much more agitated. For sure. Larry wants to present this to the DA's office because without this video, he thinks Brian would be looking at about 50 years behind bars. 1000%. Yeah. There would be no way anyone would ever believe him. No. But then think about this. 
what if this has happened multiple times to two men? Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm sure it has. I'm Brian's sh- not a, a unicorn. Right. It's crazy because you just can't believe it. It's because so- we don't want to believe that a woman could overpower a man in it- any case. Well, it just doesn't even seem feasible, right? No. Like The only time we hear about it is when they're like black widows, you know? Right. Like, that's it. And they're <laughs> right. like, they're always after like people for money. Yeah. Yeah. He has a solid case. Yeah. So we're now two weeks to trial and some on-screen text tells us that a meeting has taken place between the prosecution and the defense. Larry Boyd tells us that the state's beginning to realize that they may have a problem with their case. He's approached by the DA's office, Dan Armstrong, and they're proposing them a deal. They're at this time proposing that they bring the original charges down from first-degree murder to voluntary manslaughter. Instead of considering him a standard offender, they're considering him a mitigating offender, meaning he'd serve 20% of the sentence that he was given. So if he's given 15 years at 20%, he'd only serve roughly about three years, and then he'd be eligible for parole. Now, that doesn't automatically mean he's released, but it does mean that he's eligible for parole after about three years. Correct. Larry believes that he has a very good chance for acquittal, and this is as strong a case of self-defense as he's ever seen. Daniel Boyd, the other defense attorney, says that he would actually like to see this go to trial and be acquitted. But you never know what a jury is going to decide. Right. So with a case like this, you know, sometimes it could pay off big to roll the dice and, and just see. Yeah, absolutely. But again, you never know. We are now one week to trial. Brian says that he needs to decide whether or not he is going to take the plea or go to trial. Chandra's family does not want it to go to trial because they want to keep all of this stuff secret about Chandra. They don't want this getting out into the media. They don't want everyone to know their business. Well, I mean, because she's, you know, she's a former soldier. Like, yeah. you know, she had a good thing going. Right. And then drugs got in the way. Yeah. And it was not due to her own self needing the drugs, right? Like, right. she got hurt and was prescribed the drugs and they were supposed to help her for her pain. Right. But it just led to more. So I can get that. And I'm assuming a lot of people that have similar stories like this. They don't want all of their information to be out in the media and everyone in their neighborhood to know. Totally. Brian knows if he doesn't do what Chandra's family wants him to do, they can take his son away from his mom and he may not see him again. Now, if he takes the plea, he knows that they will still let him be a part of his mom's life. But now, (laughs) so this was really interesting to me. So his family wanted him to take the plea so it didn't get out. Nobody knew about it. But now he's on a documentary where thousands and thousands of viewers are going to be viewing this story. Oh, my God. Why did I not think You know what I mean? I'm like, so what's the difference? I mean, it's about the same thing. It's just probably reaching more globally than you think. Maybe it's just that it's not so like, you know, maybe it's like small town thing. Like they don't want everybody in the town to know about it. Right. I don't. It just seems very strange. It is very strange. I I didn't even think about that. It's so weird. Brian continues to go back and forth about what he wants to do, but if he needed to decide right now, he would take it to the jury. He thinks he has a really good chance of winning. We're at court day, and this is the day he needs to make his decision about what he is going to do. He's a complete nervous mess. He knows that the end is near, but he doesn't know what the outcome will be. I mean, you can only imagine, right? It's a really hard decision to, it's like, Life or death, almost. You know what I mean? Kinda. Like like your life or you could potentially spend the rest of your life in prison 
if you don't take it, right? If you right. don't if you don't win at court. At this time, he was holding a photo of Brayden, and he looked to be quite a few years older. I would say maybe four or five-ish. Maybe he was even in school. It kind of looked like a school photo. I think he looked so much older, too, because in the video footage, he had, like, long hair. You know, like, a lot of women like to keep their young son's hair long for some reason. Yeah. For, like, much longer than maybe they should. Yeah. Um, and then now he's got, like, that short yeah. little boy haircut where you're like, oh, you look like a little guy now. So cute. Now, Brian decided to take the plea deal of voluntary manslaughter. Brian lastly stated that, quote, with all of my heart, I wanted to go to trial, but it's not about me. It's about a little boy's life. If I could take that suffering off of him by going to jail, even if it's 100 years, I'm going to take it, end quote. Wow. It's it's a really powerful thing yeah. to say. I know that was probably tough for him because now he's a convicted felon, yep. right? I mean, yes, hopefully he only has to spend three years and then he'll be on parole because... I, you know, I, I do think that he should, you know, spend some time doing something. I don't know if it sure. would have been jail or, you know, have some sort of a consequence for what he did because he still took a life, right? right. Now, I totally believe it was in self-defense, though. So oh, yeah. should he spend 15 years in prison? No. I, I think that's a waste of taxpayer dollars. Agreed. I don't think he should stay in there. I think he needs to come out. He's a good person. Like, he needed to defend himself in that sense. And you can tell he's very, very remorseful. So, yeah, that is the story of Brian Lawson. Oh, I truly did not expect that. You no. know what I mean? When we picked this, neither one of us had watched it. No. We had not heard about it. <laughs> so when I'm like watching it, I'm like, holy fuck. Like at first I thought it was going to be like a slam dunk. Of course he killed his yeah. wife. Yeah. It's on camera. Of course. But then you're like, oh my God, it's on camera. Yeah. And she's a lunatic. Yeah. Like it was so unexpected. Very. Because at the beginning... It stated, like, under his name, like, wife killer or innocent. And I'm like, he right. did it. What kind of story is this going to be? Like, obviously, it's total, always the husband. Total 360. I did not expect the story to go this way. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. I don't believe that she deserved to lose her life, but my God. I mean, he did what he had to do in that moment. Just watch it, people. It's unbelievable. You have to see this video footage. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Say it's pretty bad instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Should we keep that in there? Let's keep that in there. (laughs) Say it's pretty bad instead. (laughs) Shit. All right, guys. So that's it for this one. Uh, Next episode is going to be another installment of the Killer Speaks series. And this one is on a guy by the name of Maxim Gelman could be maxim gelman i haven't seen it yet (laughs) so pronunciation is not key at this moment it's all right it's episode number two and basically this is a guy who went on a killing spree in 2011 in new york city leaving four people dead and four people wounded after beginning this spree by stabbing his stepdad 55 times my god it's a bit much so Remember, with that series, that's where we actually get to hear from yes. the murderer. <gasps> I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, so, this will be good. I know. I'm excited because I, again, never heard about this guy. Right. Me neither. Otherwise, I, I could have pronounced his name right. This is why I love these documentary series yes, because they're new. It's unexpected. We yes. watch them and we don't know what's going to happen. Right. When we do some of these like higher profile ones, we kind of know what to yeah, we already maybe don't assume. know all the details, but we at least know like the, the broad story story yes and so this is this is different for us and i really i'm really enjoying it i am too 
In the meantime, if you'd like to run out there and leave us a review, that would be amazing. Five stars is always, you know, what we'd Our like favorite, to see. Our favorite, please. Yeah, we like to see that. And, you know, a little comment, you know, how much you love us. We're okay with that. We'll, yes. We'll, we'll allow it. It helps with the algorithms it with does. Apple Podcasts and lets more people find our show. It does. You can also find us on all of the socials. So Instagram, we are sheer underscore crime underscore podcast. Twitter, at sheer crime pod. TikTok, at sheer crime podcast. Facebook, with the sheer crime podcast discussion group. And of course, if you have anything that you'd like to share, any requests or maybe comments, anything like that, or maybe you'd just like to say hi, you can send us an email at requests at sheercrimepodcast.com. Stay safe, stay sane, and remember, never run with scissors. Bye, guys. See ya. Thank you.